Thursday Arts Preview receives support from Craven's Coffee, featuring Yuletide Blend, a combination of unique and seasonal relationship coffees for the holidays for over 30 years, from farmer to roaster to you. And from Spokane Media Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative offering lending and banking services to professionals in film, marketing, performing arts, and more. Information online at smfcu.org. Welcome to the Thursday Arts Preview, where the P is parenthetical. I'm your host, E.J. Ionelli. Country singer-songwriter Brennan Lee is coming back to Spokane at the very start of 2024, and she's playing at a venue that's been around for a little while, but is now making a foray into regular live music events. We'll have more on that when we hear from Brennan a little later in this episode. Before we get to the new year, many of us have shopping left to do. And this Saturday, December 16th, offers a convenient opportunity to shop from local artists and makers when Bazaar comes to the River Park Square Mall. Bazaar is Terrain's winter counterpart to its summertime arts market called Bazaar. And this year, the December event has grown to include more than 80 participating vendors. Jackie Caro, Terrain's operations director, and Ginger Ewing, Terrain's executive director and co-founder, both came into the studio to talk about this year's Bazaar, and Jackie started by explaining what's new. Well, what's new is we're actually expanding a little bit um, into the Crest Gallery, which is behind the food court area, and so that's a little bit different. Um, We will have, I think the music is going to kind of travel around a little bit more than it used to. Um, Typically, we would just have the musicians play on the first floor, um, but I think they're going to kind of move around, so there'll be live music all throughout the space as well. And when you say move around, they're not going to be physically moving as they're performing. They're just going to be positioned. They might. They oh, are. wow. They so are. roving musicians. Yes. yes. So they talked about um, almost kind of being like troubadours throughout the event, and so going to different locations throughout the three floors, including the new Crest Gallery location, as a way just to kind of mix things up. And really the impetus for that was when Lucky You closed down, you know, both the Bartlett and Lucky You had their um, beloved Christmas um, show that always took place on the same day as Bazaar um, later in the evening. And many of those musicians would play Bazaar and then they would go play a set um, at Lucky You or the Bartlett. Um, and so since Lucky You's closing, Jenny Ann Mannion and Scotty Ingersoll reached out and said, you know, we really want to spearhead this effort. Um, here's what we're thinking. And so they're going to bring in 10 different musicians, and they're going to be different combinations of those musicians throughout the day, and they're going to be playing full sets. So where before we had a solo musician playing a set, now it's going to be any sort of combination of those 10 musicians, again, kind of acting as troubadours throughout the three um, floors throughout the event, which is super exciting. And I just wanted to add on to what Jackie said about expanding the event. Um, I think that's really a testament to the growth of our creative sector here in Spokane. We had 191 people apply for Bazaar and only space for 70. So even with the expansion into the Crest Gallery, we can only still fit 86. So at this point, we're turning away more than 50% of the people who are applying, which is really difficult for us to do as an organization. Um, There are really incredible artists and makers who aren't going to be featured in the show. Um, But I also think it's a testament to how strong uh, Spokane's creative economy is these days. 
And let's talk about how you've curated the list of participating vendors. What sort of things were you looking for in order to whittle it down to that number? Yeah, so we always bring in an outside jury. And within that jury, we try to be diverse as possible in terms of their backgrounds. But what we tell the the jury is to be um, diverse as possible. So, for example, in those 70 booths, we don't want 70 jewelry makers, right? We want a mixture of different things. Um, So that is one kind of stipulation that we give jurors. So just being trying to be as diverse as we possibly can. Um, We also um, are really wanting artists and makers to think about aesthetics and how the patron is going to experience their booth. So um, what your booth setup looks like is important component um, that we tell the jury to look at. And then if if the items are strong, if the work is strong. So those are kind of the three criteria we ask uh, every jury to look at every year. And then in addition, Um, we also, um, this market is a little bit different because we do ask that 50% of your booth is under $100. So that is more accessible to more people. And so that's another kind of criteria um, that they're looking at as well. So and every jury is different. So we're always when we get the the finalists, we're all it's a surprise for us too. Mm-hmm. We open it up and we're like, oh okay, this person got in, this person didn't get in. One of the also exciting things, not to kind of just really you know hearken in on the growth of the creative sector here in Spokane, but many of the people who got in this year, I had never heard of before. Um, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And what does that translate to for the, the customer or the patron who comes to this and what you're going to see as a, as a shopper? Yeah, so um, one of the things we always say is there's something for everyone. So whether you're shopping for a dog lover or a child or you're looking for visual art for your home, there's a little bit of everything for everyone. So think jewelry, think skincare lines, think leather goods, think visual art, think clothing, you know, stuff for the kiddos. So again, a little bit of everything for everyone. And again, one of the things that we are really passionate about is being able to be um, accessible for as many people as possible. So so um, no matter your budget, you can come down to Brazar and I promise you, you'll find something uh, meaningful to take home. But you raise an important point that, you know, I think sometimes when we hear art market, we think of art as something to be displayed and admired and just uh, contemplated. Mm-hmm. But you highlight the functional mm-hmm. aspect of it. And so while there is art that is there to be hung and admired or placed somewhere and admired. There's a lot of functional art and uh, Ginger, as you mentioned, wearable art as well. Yeah, one of the things that has always been a goal for Terrain, whether it's our flagship event, whether it's our store, whether it's our art markets, is kind of breaking down the silos of within the art world and also redefining or at least our version of what art is. I think the public, uh, when they think of art, they think of two-dimensional pieces of of work on a wall, which are very important. And we need uh, the conversations that and the narratives that those particular pieces of artworks tell. But art is so much more than that. And within this particular market, it's physical things, right? It's functional art, it's wearable art, it's jewelry, but it also goes beyond that. It's dance, it's music, it's the culinary arts, it's a poem. Um, And so one of the things that we always want to underscore is that art is much bigger than the average person might realize what it is. 
And this ends up being a major economic driver. I think last year you generated close to two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yep. vendors do very well, and like um, that particular weekend is the busiest shopping day of the year, outside of I think New Year's Eve or something, or New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's already a really busy day, and then you know all those people are coming down to the mall to shop at the bigger retail stores, and then they're running into. 83 booths of locally made goods, which gives them an opportunity to also support local makers and artists in our town. Um, And so it's just a great opportunity to to really get that cross-pollination of accidental shoppers and purposeful shoppers all at one time. Um, One of the things that we always like to do is remind people that you're like the reason we have these events in the middle of downtown is because we love downtown, we love Spokane, and we want to be sure that everyone has a good day, not just our local vendors, but our local restaurants and all of that. So just like making a day of it is is a super special thing to do, and it's beautiful, and it's Christmassy, and it's, you know, hopefully it'll be snowy and wonderful. Um, There's a beautiful ice ribbon, right? You know, yeah, like make a fun event, day of Make it. a fun day of it. <laughs> yeah. go, go ice skating and, then, yeah. and do some local shopping for sure. Yeah. And what other activities do you have besides the music? And do you feel pressure every year to add and augment just a little bit more? Always. Um, <laughs> always. Like, we're big dreamers, and we're always looking at how we can fine-tune. Bazaar is, you know, pretty structured just given the confines of the space that we're working in. We feel really blessed to be at River Park Square. It's their busiest uh, day of the year, so it's really good for our local artists and makers to be inside River Park Square that day. But we are kind of confined to those three floors, and so there's only so much we can do Mm -hmm. to expand. But yes, we're constantly looking at ways we can kind of tweak things here and there. Um, So again, the troubadour like concept of moving music around is really exciting for us. Like We always have music, but how can we tweak it a little bit. Kids activities, family-friendly activities, I'm always just blown away at how popular they are. Um, And so that's always super fun to see the volunteers that come down and help kind of lead those activities. Um, And then we've partnered with uh, Electric Photolands for many of our events, but they are doing this super specialized uh, kind of photo booth booth experience, um, which is an elves cottage. And um, so they're kind of doing it differently this year. You have to sign up. Um, and they are signing people up in five-minute increments, but it's basically your family photo. It's more of a photo shoot, and you yeah. actually get into this like little tiny short elves cottage. So it appears that you're in an elves cottage when you take the photo, but you're large, and it's very cute um, and just a fun, different experience to come. And that will be in the Crest Gallery as well as the kids' activities will also be in the Crest Gallery. Which for us, um, the Crest Gallery is a little bit off the beaten path, so we want to be sure that there are reasons for people to go visit the vendors that are in that space um, because we did expand into that space, and it's important that they have a good day as well. And I actually really, one of the things that's exciting for me is to see the vendors and the artists that don't typically like fit my aesthetic doing super well, because I think that is a testament to the strength, not only of how talented our local artists and makers are, but the growth and kind of art patronage in Spokane. Um, so you know, I've said this repeatedly, I don't want to sound like super woo-woo, but you can feel the intention, you can feel the heart and the soul and the passion of that particular artist. Um, And it's almost kind of like a warm hug. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, kind of previewing Burzar. Thank you so much as always for having us, EJ. You're amazing and so is SPR.
That was Jackie Caro and Ginger Ewing of Terrain talking about the winter artist and maker market known as Bazaar. That takes place this Saturday, December 16th, on all three floors of River Park Square, including the Crest Gallery. For more information on Bazaar, you can visit terrainspoken.com. And if you do happen to miss Bazaar, all is not lost. Jackie and Ginger noted that Terrain's retail storefront, From Here, is open year-round and sells goods from around 120 local artists and makers. You can find From Here on the second level of River Park Square. Just after the holidays, the country singer-songwriter Brennan Lee will be back in Spokane, this time for a gig at the Hamilton Studio in West Central. This isn't the first time that the Hamilton Studio has hosted music, but it does mark its official launch as a fully-fledged concert venue. Ahead of the concert, I spoke to Brennan by phone when she was between tour dates and back home in Nashville. You were in Spokane as recently as this past summer, and you're going to be coming back um, right at the start of the new year. So is the Inland Northwest also a place where you end up spending a lot of time? You know, I hope so in the future, but I really haven't gotten as much of a chance as I'd like to until recently. I was up there with my friends Kelly Willis and Melissa Carper recently, and we had a really fun Northwest run. And except for that and this upcoming trip, um, I haven't been out there hardly enough at all in the last decade. So I'm excited to be back. I love it up there. Well, that's good to hear because I was looking at your tour dates and you do seem to spend, or at least on this current tour, you seem to be spending quite a bit of time in Texas and the South. And that makes sense. You know, there's, it seems like there would be a built-in audience for your type of music there. But I would guess, too, that there's also a, a sizable um, country listenership out here in the, in the Northwest as well. Yeah, and that's a really beautiful thing because I've had people asking me specifically to come out to Spokane and Seattle and Portland, uh, like visitors to Nashville or visitors to other cities. I've had asking me for a long time, like, when are you going to come up here? So it feels like there's a lot of buildup and it feels like there's a lot of support for our kind of music out there. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and maybe this uh, geographic um, you know, being able to come out here and the fact that you haven't spent a ton of time in the in Inland Northwest uh, so far, maybe that kind of highlights this weird duality that you seem to occupy, where you're both really established. I mean, you've got many, many albums to your name, but you also are kind of positioned as an up-and-coming performer as well. So it's this, this strange uh, mix of being both established and yet emerging at the same time. Is that kind of how you see yourself, or is it, well, I'm established among my current audience, and I'm emerging to the people who have yet to hear me? The last thing you said probably... You know, and that is kind of how I see myself. It's funny. I've been at it a long time because I started playing professionally when I was 14. So if you do the math, that's, you know, a couple of decades plus. And so it does feel very much like I've been doing it my whole life. I've been doing it for a long time. But in the last two, three years, I've experienced some new support from a lot of new fans. And it's kind of invigorated me. Um, I put out this record, Prairie Love Letter, in 2020. I love the lonesome prairie Where the grass rolls like waves on the sea And then 
the next year I put out another record, this collab with Asleep at the Wheel. And then uh, this year I put out a, a new country album. So I've kind of been like on fire in terms of quantity, like producing <laughs> a lot of things. And that's been awesome. You know, it does kind of feel like a new world just since COVID kind of, I, I say COVID because that's when I, you know, when I started releasing albums um, more steadily and it's just been really um, it feels like the work's been paying off, which is awesome. Yeah, and this uh, since you brought it up, I'll talk about Obsessed with the West, this joint album that you did with uh, Asleep at the Wheel. Uh, how did that come about? So I had known Ray and the band from living in Austin. Before I lived in Nashville, I li- lived in Austin, Texas. And I just knew them from around town, and we'd sort of toyed with the idea of making an album at some point. And then during 20, I think it was 2021, Sam, my manager, who you know also manages the wheel, uh, and Ray called me and said, "Hey, would you want to make this record sometime?" And at the time, I was going through this Western swing phase again. I was kind of <laughs> revisiting. Ironically, I had moved to Nashville, and I was like listening to Texas swing again because I'd grown up with it, and I grew I grew up with Asleep at the Wheel albums that, that were my parents. Anyway, I said, "Yeah, but I you know I'd really honestly love to do an album with." the wheel and so we wrote 12 brand new western swing tunes i'm obsessed with the west that rules old gal always coming or coming she can't be corralled and we you know recorded it all in a couple days and there, there's not a better group of people to do that with, and I'm so pleased. You can you can hear how excited it, we all were and how, how much fun it was in the recording. And you talk about these different scenes, and um, you know, you've got Western Swing on Obsessed with the West, and then you really steeped yourself in the Nashville scene for Ain't Through Honky Tonkin' Yet, which is the most recent album. Is it really fun and creatively adventurous for you to do these albums that are so strongly associated with a particular country scene? Well, you know, for me, country music is, that's what I call my music, is country music. And, you know, that to me is a big blanket term. It covers a lot of ground. And the beauty of that is there's so much, so so many influences to draw from and, you know, I like to make records that are kind of themed, um, which you probably figured out. <laughs> you know, Western Swing, Bluegrass, you know, Old Time, Rockabilly, you know, Country Folk. Those are all the cousins of country music or, you know, family members of country music. And I've just enjoyed kind of that's all a part of my identity because I've been such a nerd for it. and Such a such an obsessive person about country music my whole life that I kind of get to cherry pick what I want. And uh, it's, it's just got a lot of unique styles within it. And, you know, I've enjoyed kind of getting to wear different hats. Yeah, and for the uninitiated, you know, we've got the honky-tonk sound. What in your mind characterizes that? Like if somebody said, give me the elevator pitch on what constitutes honky-tonk, what exactly is that? Well, that's also a broad term, in my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> because you have music from the 40s and 50s that was, you know, stuff you might hear and say, you know, in a Texas dance hall, something that Ernest Tubb and the Texas Troubadours might play, or um, you might hear, you know, George Jones, early George Jones from that era, or that could mean something as late era as like, you know, 
Randy Travis <laughs> or, or something like that or Hank Jr. You know, so really there's so many little geographical and historical kind of parts of honky tonk and country music you can find. But the one that we zeroed in on for this latest record was my favorite year in country music, which is 1967. And uh, we, we weren't trying to do like a, you know, carbon copy of albums from that era, but we just wanted to catch the essence and kind of the spirit of that time in Nashville, because there were so many incredible unparalleled songwriters walking around. I mean, you had people like Tom T. Hall walking around making records and Dolly Parton. And so I kind of wanted to capture the essence of that. You had these great singers. You had people like George Jones and Melba Montgomery making duet albums. We said our goodbyes long ago Never thinking we'd miss each other so you know, it was just like a, a beautiful time for production. It was creative time. And uh, I, I wanted to kind of capture some of that essence. So to me, this record is a little bit of a nod to the late 60s in Nashville. But the songs are, if you listen to the songs, you, you'll hear that they're, they're pretty modern. Yeah, and you talk about the broad blanket that is country and the equally broad blanket that is honky-tonk. And the, the songs on this album, I think they kind of speak, even though you zeroed in on a year, they speak to the variety that honky-tonk can encompass. Because you've got Mississippi Rendezvous, which is a, you know, kind of a ballad. And then you've got something like Carol with an E, which just ends up putting a smile on your face because it's so upbeat. Um, when you were kind of writing these songs, did you set out to include that variety or was the, did the song just emerge out of that musical kernel that you wanted to capture? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so unlike certain other albums, the songs for this record, I sort of collected from my catalog stuff that I hadn't recorded that I had sitting around. And a lot of it I wrote when I first moved to Nashville and I was writing on Music Row a lot, so I was doing co-writes with friends. I had a massive, like, hundred tunes sitting around that I'd never messed with or recorded. Chris Scruggs, who produced the album, he and I would, you know, sit down and listen to this stuff and kind of comb through it and go, oh, what's, how does this all fit together, you know? And so it was, it was actually existing material. I don't think I wrote anything specifically for this album, but we wanted to see, you know, what of this stuff kind of thematically fits? What are some topics that we've stopped singing about in country music? You know, that we have, you know, we have a song like uh, Mississippi Rendezvous is a, it's a song I wrote with Mary Bragg. Where we can be alone 
it's a cheating country cheating song from the perspective of cheater, which you don't actually hear that much in country music these days. You yeah, know, it usually, used to be usually you're wronged, aren't you? You're wronged now. Yeah. But back in the day, you know, those hey, I did something really wrong songs were, you know, a big chunk of the genre. So we have a couple of those. Um, we have songs about shame and regret, you know, real human emotions. We have our trucker country ballad, <laughs> you know, I could do, I could probably do a whole album of trucker country. I love that stuff. Um, but we really kind of just picked it, picked and see how it fit together. And Chris was the most wonderful producer. But it's interesting that, um, that you had this material. So, you know, you ended up putting together a honky tonk album, but it was songs that you wrote that either kind of lent themselves to this or could be performed in the style of honky tonk. And then that seemed a natural fit. Right. So it wasn't like we were trying on a new hat. This was kind of like, well, this is who we are. <laughs> we have all this stuff sitting around because I would diagnose myself as being a little bit electively ignorant um, <laughs> throughout my life of other genres of music. So I've listened to primarily old country music. That's most of what I've consumed since I was like 13 years old, you know. So anything I write, I can be like, hey, listen to this. I wrote a pop song and people will just laugh at me because it sounds like a country song to them. So that's in there. And it's not like something I have to try to do. It's just in there. Um, and so it comes out that way. So it, it wasn't hard for me to find 12 tunes that were going to fit in that kind of idiom because they were already there. And when you come to Spokane on the 1st of January, you're hot on the heels of some other performance dates. I think you got dates on the 30th and the 31st, but you're going to be coming with a trio, and that includes your bass and fiddle player. Uh, can you talk about them and, uh, and going out on the road? So when we do the trio thing, so it's a little confusing because I'm also part of a trio that includes Kelly Willis and Melissa Carper. That happens to be a trio as well. But the trio that I tour with when it's my show, the Brendan Lee show, I kind of have a small rotating cast of people um, that do that. And this, this run's going to be um, two of my favorite musicians in the whole world, Ashley Caudill on the upright bass and singing and Rebecca Paddock on fiddle and singing. So we'll have some, you know, sweet little harmonies going. And, and the three of uh, Rebecca and I will swap leads. Ashley's a wonderful songwriter, uh, multi-instrumentalist from Colorado. I met her years ago uh, and we hang together in Nashville quite a bit. And then uh, Rebecca is also a uh, multi-instrumentalist and a talented writer and singer. And uh, she plays a lot with Melissa Carper and also with me. And uh, she lives in Austin. So I can't wait for folks to meet these people if they have it because they're just delightful and I love traveling with them. Yeah, that's really cool, because when you were here in August, you played with Kelly and Melissa, and now folks are going to uh, get to see you just five months later with a different trio, with a different dynamic. Right. And, uh, you know, it's a similar dynamic because it's, you know, I believe in uh, joy, you know, <laughs> so as much fun as we can have. And that's really the ticket for me. Well, Brennan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to chat. I uh, really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate you, too. I was talking there with Brennan Lee, a country musician whose most recent album is the Nashville influence Ain't Through Honky Tonkin' Yet. 
Brennan will be in Spokane on January 1st, 2024, to perform at the Hamilton Studio. The Hamilton Studio has hosted fundraisers and First Friday gatherings in the past, but is now branching out to include more live music events. And full disclosure, Spokane Public Radio is not affiliated with this event, but all proceeds from the concert are generously being donated to our organization. And you can find out more about the concert and purchase tickets at hamiltonstudio.com. This has been the Thursday Arts Preview, a show that keeps an eye on the past, present, and future of the art scene throughout the Inland Northwest. If you'd like to listen again or catch future episodes as soon as they air, subscribe to the Thursday Arts Preview podcast on major platforms like Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts. And a heads up that we will have holiday and special programming over the next few weeks, including another interview from our Firehouse Session Song Contest. This one is with local singer-songwriter Olivia Brownlee. New Thursday Arts Preview episodes will resume again in early 2024. In the meantime, here's a festive Christmas song from Brennan Lee. And for Spokane Public Radio, I'm EJ Ionelli. You got a tattoo of my name, you didn't spell it right. I had to bail you out of jail on our anniversary night. Thursday Arts Preview receives support from Craven's Coffee, featuring Yuletide Blend, a combination of unique and seasonal relationship coffees for the holidays for over 30 years, from farmer to roaster to you. And from Spokane Media Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative offering lending and banking services to professionals in film, marketing, performing arts, and more. Information online at smfcu.org.